Thank you for joining me today, or tonight, whichever the case may be, for another chapter of J.D. Salinger's The Catcher in the Rye. If you have questions or comments, or if you'd like to make a suggestion, you may do so at carlareadstheclassics at gmail.com. Now, Chapter 7. A tiny bit of light came through the shower curtain and from our room, and I could see him lying in bed. I knew damn well he was wide awake. Ackley! I said, you awake? Yeah. It was pretty dark, and I stepped on somebody's shoe on the floor and damn near fell on my head. Ackley sort of sat up in bed and leaned on his arm. He had a lot of white stuff on his face, for his pimples. He looked sort of spooky in the dark. What the hell are you doing anyway? I said. What do you mean, what the hell am I doing? I was trying to sleep before you guys started making all that noise. What the hell was the fight about anyhow? Where's the light? I couldn't find the light. I was sliding my hand all over the wall. What do you want the light for? Right next to your hand. I finally found the switch and turned it on. Old Ackley put his hand up so that the light wouldn't hurt his eyes. Jesus, he said. What the hell happened to you? He meant all the blood and all. I had a little goddamn tiff with Stradlater, I said. Then I sat down on the floor. They never had any chairs in their room. I don't know what the hell they did with their chairs. Listen, I said, do you feel like playing a little canasta? He was a canasta fiend. You're still bleeding, for Christ's sake. You better put something on it. It'll stop. Listen, you want to play a little canasta, or don't you? Canasta, for Christ's sake. Do you know what time it is by any chance? It isn't late. It's only around eleven, eleven thirty. Only around, Ackley said. Listen, I gotta get up and go to Mass in the morning, for Christ's sake. You guys start hollering and fighting in the middle of the goddamn... What the hell was the fight about, anyhow? It's a long story. I don't want to bore you, Ackley. I'm thinking of your welfare, I told him. I never discussed my personal life with him. In the first place, he was even more stupid than Stradlater. Stradlater was a goddamn genius next to Ackley. Hey, I said, is it okay if I sleep in Eli's bed tonight? He won't be back till tomorrow night, will he? I knew damn well he wouldn't. Eli went home damn near every weekend. I don't know when he'll be coming back, Ackley said. Boy, did that annoy me. What the hell do you mean you don't know when he's coming back? He never comes back till Sunday night, does he? No, but for Christ's sake, I can't just tell somebody they can sleep in his goddamn bed if they want to. That killed me. I reached up from where I was sitting on the floor and patted him on the goddamn shoulder. You're a prince, Ackley kid, I said. You know that? No, I mean it. I can't just tell somebody they can sleep in. You're a real prince. You're a gentleman and a scholar, kid, I said. He really was, too. Do you happen to have any cigarettes by any chance? Say no or I'll drop dead. No, I don't, as a matter of fact. Listen, what the hell was the fight about? I didn't answer him. All I did was I got up and went over and looked out the window. I felt so lonesome all of a sudden. I almost wished I was dead. What the hell was the fight about anyhow? Ackley said for about the fiftieth time. He certainly was a bore about that. About you, I said. About me, for Christ's sake. Yeah, I was defending your goddamn honor. Stradlater said you had a lousy personality. I couldn't let him get away with that stuff. That got him excited. He did? No kidding, he did? 
I told him I was only kidding, and then I went over and lay down on Eli's bed. Boy, did I feel rotten. I felt so damn lonesome. This room stinks, I said. I can smell your socks from way over here. Don't you ever send them to the laundry? If you don't like it, you know what you can do, Ackley said. What a witty guy. How about turning off the goddamn light? I didn't turn it off right away, though. I just kept lying there on Eli's bed, thinking about Jane and all. It just drove me stark staring mad when I thought about her and Strad later parked somewhere in that fat-ass Banky's car. Every time I thought about it, I felt like jumping out the window. The thing is, you didn't know Stradlater. I knew him. Most guys at Pensy just talked about having sexual intercourse with girls all the time, like Ackley, for instance. But old Stradlater really did it. I was personally acquainted with at least two girls he gave the time to. That's the truth. Tell me the story of your fascinating life, Ackley kid, I said. How about turning off the goddamn light? I gotta get up for mass in the morning. I got up and turned it off, if it made him happy. Then I lay down on Eli's bed again. What are you gonna do, sleep in Eli's bed? Ackley said. He was the perfect host, boy. I may, I may not. Don't worry about it. I'm not worried about it, only I'd hate like hell if Eli came in all of a sudden and found some guy. Relax. I'm not going to sleep here. I wouldn't abuse your goddamn hospitality. A couple of minutes later, he was snoring like mad. I kept laying there in the dark anyway, though, trying not to think about old Jane and Stradlater and goddamn Ed Banky's car. But it was almost impossible. The trouble was, I knew that guy Stradlater's technique. That made it even worse. We once double-dated in Ed Banky's car, and Stradlater was in the back with his date, and I was in the front with mine. What a technique that guy had. What he'd do was he'd start sh snowing his date in this very quiet, sincere voice, like as if he was only a very handsome guy, but a nice guy, sincere too. I damn near puked listening to him. His, de his date kept saying, No, please, please, don't, please. But old Stradlater kept snowing her in this abraham lincoln sincere voice and finally there'd be this terrific silence in the back of the car it was really embarrassing i don't think he gave that girl the time that night but damn near damn near while i was laying there trying not to think i heard old stradlater come back from the can and go into our room you could hear him putting away his crummy toilet articles and all and opening the window he was a fresh air fiend then a little while later he turned off the light he didn't even look around to see where I was at. It was even depressing out in the street. You couldn't even hear any cars anymore. I got feeling so lonesome and rotten. I even felt like waking Ackley up. Hey, Ackley, I said in sort of a whisper so Stradlater couldn't hear me through the shower curtain. Ackley didn't hear me, though. Hey, Ackley. He still didn't hear me. He slept like a rock. Hey, Ackley. He heard that all right. "'What the hell's the matter with you?' he said. "'I was asleep, for Christ's sake. "'Listen, what's the routine on joining a monastery?' I asked him. "'I was sort of toying with the idea of joining one. "'Do you have to be a Catholic and all?' "'Certainly you have to be a Catholic. "'You bastard, did you wake me up just to ask me a dumb quest? "'Ah, go back to sleep. "'I'm not going to join one anyway. "'The kind of luck I have, "'I'd probably join one with all the wrong kind of monks in it. 
all stupid bastards or just bastards. When I said that, old Ackley sat way the hell up in bed. Listen, he said, I don't care what you say about me or anything, but if you start making cracks about my goddamn religion, for Christ's sake. Relax, I said. Nobody's making any cracks about your goddamn religion. I got up off Eli's bed and started towards the door. I didn't want to hang around in that stupid atmosphere any more. I stopped on the way, though, and picked up Ackley's hand and gave him a big, phony handshake. He pulled it away from me. What's the idea, he said. No idea. I just want to thank you for being such a goddamn prince, that's all, I said. I said it in this very sincere voice. You're aces, Ackley kid, I said. You know that? Wise guy. Some day, somebody's going to bash your... I didn't even bother to listen to him. I shut the damn door and went out in the corridor. Everybody was asleep or out or home for the weekend, and it was very, very quiet and depressing in the corridor. There was this empty box of Colino's toothpaste outside, Leahy and Hoffman's door, and while I walked down towards the stairs, I kept giving it a boot with this sheep-lined slipper I had on. What I thought I'd do, I thought I might go down and see what old Mal Brassard was doing. But all of a sudden, I changed my mind. All of a sudden, I decided what I'd really do, I'd get the hell out of Pensy. Right that same night and all. I mean, not wait around any more. It made me too sad and lonesome. So what I decided to do, I decided I'd take a room in a hotel in New York, somewhere very inexpensive and, and all, and just take it easy till Wednesday. Then, on Wednesday, I'd go home all rested up and feeling swell. I figured my parents probably wouldn't get old Thurmer's letter saying I'd been given the axe till maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. I didn't want to go home or anything till they got it and thoroughly digested it and all. I didn't want to be around when they first got it. My mother gets very hysterical. She's not too bad after she's... after she's... After she gets something thoroughly digested, though. Besides, I sort of needed a little vacation. My nerves were shot. They really were. Anyway, that's what I decided I'd do. So I went back to the room and turned on the light to start packing and all. I already had quite a few things packed. Old Stradlater didn't even wake up. I lit a cigarette and got all dressed, and then I packed these two gladstones I have. It only took me about two minutes. I'm a very rapid packer. One thing about packing depressed me a little. I had to pack these brand new ice skates my mother had practically just sent me a couple of days before. That depressed me. I could see my mother going in Spalding and asking the salesman a million dopey questions, and here I was getting the axe again. It made me feel pretty sad. She bought me the wrong kind of skates. I wanted racing skates, and she bought hockey, but it made me sad anyway. Almost every time somebody gives me a present, it ends up making me sad. After I got all packed, I sort of counted my dough. I don't remember exactly how much I had, but I was pretty loaded. My grandmother just sent me a wad about a week before. I have this grandmother that's quite lavish with her dough. She doesn't have all her marbles anymore. She's old as hell, and she keeps sending me money for my birthday about four times a year. Anyway, even though I was pretty loaded, I figured I could always use a few extra bucks. You never know. So what I did was, I went down the hall and woke up Frederick Woodruff, this guy I'd lent my typewriter to. 
I asked him how much he'd give me for it. He was a pretty wealthy guy. He said he didn't know. He said he didn't much want to buy it. Finally, he bought it, though. It cost about ninety bucks, and all he bought it was for twenty. He was sore because I'd woke him up. When I was all set to go, when I had my bags and all, I stood for a while next to the stairs and took a last look down the goddamn corridor. I was sort of crying. I didn't know why. I put my red hunting hat on and turned the peak around to the back, the way I liked it, and then I yelled at the top of my goddamn voice, Sleep tight, you morons! I'll bet I woke up every bastard on the whole floor. Then I got the hell out. Some stupid guy had thrown peanut shells all over the stairs, and I damn near broke my crazy neck. End of chapter 7